What we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to The Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to doers, creators, artists, uh, athletes, entrepreneurs, CEOs, hustlers, people in and around the world that are really in their vibe. They're on the thing. They're building on something they truly believe in. Um, they're often doing it against societal rule, going against the status quo. They're, they're game changers, history makers. Literally, they are like making history. <laughs> and uh, our guest today actually will be uh, no different. And, and you know, and I always tell you each week we bring on guests that represent the audience just the same, like all around an all inclusive audience, right? Because um, they go through things just the way we do too, right? Like that's how how it all works. We're all on our journey. And it's, you know, Often at times I say this often, you guys know it, it's my mission and I will continuously ingrain it into all of you that media often portrays, um, glamour, it glamorizes and glorifies and success, right? Because you guys, you see all these amazing people that are out there really doing some great things, but you don't see what's going on behind the scenes and you don't see that consistency of showing up every day. You don't see the work, you don't see the fears, you don't see the other things that might be happening. And so we want we like to have very healthy conversations about all of it. And our guests are just basically talking about what are they experiencing on their journey. Uh, so absolutely appreciate each and every one of you guys. Um, for those of you that are a little bit newer, I'm Matt Gottesman. You guys can reach out to me on at Matt Gottesman on, the, on uh, Instagram or at HDF Magazine, where we talk a little bit more about you know entrepreneurship and the journey there as well, too. Uh, and at Hustle Sold Separately. And then, of course, you guys know I answer each and every DM, text, uh, reply, our guest today will tell you that <laughs> that's how we met, you know, <laughs> online. Uh, I'm, I'm on it. You know, I'm absolutely on it for the last five, six years. So I really appreciate each and every one of you guys. And I also appreciate that you guys reach out to our guests. They're here, you know, to be of uh, an inspiration. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can you can reach out to them. You can say, hey, thank you for sharing your story or, hey, I'd love to learn more or whatever it might be. Right. And today we have another phenomenal, phenomenal guest, Ruxam, and she's a professional boxer and WK World Muay Thai champion. Uh, that you don't get to that without some serious, <laughs> serious, serious training. And uh, and before I cue up her bio, you know, we're going to be talking about um, spirituality and training. We're definitely mm -hmm. going to be talking about women in sports, female athletes, and all that they endure. Um, and uh, you know, these are two very, very important topics um, for me. Uh, and I'll tell you why um, from a spirituality and training, because um, when we can go into our core and when we have a true relationship with ourselves, our place in this world, um, a higher consciousness uh, and um, tap into the stuff that is way beyond what we actually see here in a physical plane and most people think that what we are experiencing is like oh that's just the way things are and no actually it's not there's a lot more going on um and you guys know i always bring that up whether in our personal lives or in our business selves right because a a, a better version of us and a better greater understanding of our spiritual side allows us to perform at very very high levels so of course training especially in something like being a professional boxer uh or muay thai is is 
it's probably imperative, right? So we're going to talk about that. And then we're, um, you know, I'll talk about, you know, uh, female uh, athletes, you know, a little bit more of what they endure. As many of you guys know, um, for me, I'm just a very all-inclusive. I was raised a very, um, uh, I was raised with inclusivity. I'm very fortunate. I realized that not everybody was raised that way. But I came from very, very um, loving parents that were very inclusive of like every race, every gender, everything mm -hmm. about how we all um, strive uh, to uh, be our best selves and help each other be our best selves. So I'm fortunate that I get to play uh -huh. from a perspective that way. I get that the world doesn't always play from that perspective. So I always welcome an open dialogue about that as well, too, and, and learning about, you know, what uh, somebody like Roxana has to. <laughs> Uh, go through. So for real quick, I want to I want to run down her bio for everybody um, listening, just because she's got a phenomenal background. She obtained a BA in architectural technology. And after working in the field for a year, she realized that her passion lay in the sports arena. So see, for all of you guys out there that like, you know, maybe you're going to go be an accountant and all of a sudden you want to be a professional ice skater or whatever. Just do it. <laughs> I mean, it does not matter. And then, <laughs> and then uh, she had taken up Thai boxing, a form of kickboxing, as many of you might know. Um, at the age of 18 and then training in secret uh, while at university for fear of people mm -hmm. disapproving of her participation in such a demanding and male-dominated sports while also coming from a traditional Muslim Bangladeshi background. Uh, she knew she'd have to break down stereotypes and cultural boundaries in order to train and accomplish her goal to become a national champion. And then in 2009, she was selected for the uh, Great Britain team and won a bronze medal in the world championships. In 2010, she became the British... Um, uh, Adam Waite champion and in 2011 she won the European gold medal from Latvia before securing a bronze medal <laughs> in 2012 and then in 2016 she made history when she defeated Sweden's uh, Susanna Samojavi Samojavi I hope I said that right I, I <laughs> but um, I be, but, but, but to become the first British Muslim woman to win kickboxing world title and she has now made the transition to professional boxing and was signed by former heavyweight champion David Hayes Haymaker uh, Productions uh, promotion, excuse me. And then outside the ring, um, Ruxana supports community groups that enable women from all backgrounds to access mixed martial arts and is currently writing a book about her journey as a female boxer in a male dominated sport. So Ruxana, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. That was an amazing introduction, by the way. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So no matter how big even, you get, even oh, I couldn't have done that. <laughs> per perfect. Perfect. So no matter how big you get or where you go, or what show you go on, remember that that was the greatest intro for you. <laughs> so you'll that, come back. That was amazing. That uh, was spectacular. <laughs> your, your, thank you. For, thank you for being on the show. Your, um, your background really mm -hmm. stuck out to me. The moment we connected on, uh, on social media, I was like, Oh, that, interesting like I, I immediately started looking up your background ended up on wikipedia and everywhere else and i'm like this girl's got it so i would i would love for you to you. yeah no absolutely absolutely I, I so i love when that that actually that happens the social media has been beautiful that way um so before we get into like you know the mm -hmm. spirituality and the training and um you know i would love a little bit more of the context for the audience since i started learning about your background if you you know whatever you want to share about the journey mm -hmm. thus far how it got to today because that'll also really help well, Everybody else figure out, okay, yeah, I see why we use these tools like spirituality and I see <laughs> what females go through. Um, I mean, I've had an incredible journey and I've come so far from where I started out. Um, you know, I'm from a very traditional Muslim Bangladeshi family. I was born in England, um, East London. And um, yeah, I was quite shy and timid young girl growing up in um, 
the heart of East London. Um, but I always knew that I loved sports from a very young age. Like I was always passionate about martial arts. I remember going through magazines and newspapers, looking at Bruce Lee and Muhammad Ali. I was just so intrigued by martial arts. Um, but I knew for me it was out the question to pursue um you know, any kind of sport, let alone a very, you know, one of the most deadliest sport in the world, uh, you know, which was designed as a warfare art um, by the Thais in those days. Um, so, I mean, I, I just kept, you know, being a normal teenager, I guess, through school, enjoyed playing football, I enjoyed um, athletics in school, I was always the fastest girl, but I was very aware of, of my background and the choices that I can make, and um, I have to be respectful to my upbringing and my family and my heritage and my, my roots. Um, and also growing up in England, you know, even 15 years ago, this was unheard of for a Western woman to go into any kind of combat sports. It's very unusual. Um, I remember even when I walked into the gym, there was probably like five females that I, you know, used to see on a regular basis. So even for them, it was unusual, let alone someone who came from my background, being Muslim, being petite, um, being a female in a very testosterone-driven sport. Um, so... Yeah, I guess as soon as I turned 18, um, I discovered that there was a kickboxing session um, at the school, um, in an after-school club, and I decided to go along. I felt like that was my opportunity. Of course, there was financial barriers. There's um, so many other barriers that I knew I had to overcome um, in order for me to pursue a sport such as kickboxing, Thai boxing. Um, but yeah, I plucked up the courage to go along and I completely fell in love with the sport. It was fast, it was furious, it allowed me to be present. Um, you know, it, I guess it made me feel alive. It gave me a passion and I was fortunate to find a passion at such a um, young age uh, without any guidance, without any family input or you know having mentors so you know I've been really blessed in that sense you know that that brings up actually a very good um you know question which is when you realize something you're very passionate about but you have nobody to go mm -hmm. to to start you know because that 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 a lot of yeah. people kind of fall onto that you know um well I don't know where to go so they don't take action but you you clearly did what did you do? Like, how, like, I, I think, I mean, I always talk about what I did in certain areas, but I like when more people <laughs> <laughs> talk about it because then the audience gets like, everybody, yeah. everybody can feel like that. You know, we don't always come from, um, where everybody gets what we want to do. In fact, most of the time they don't, that's the point. What did you do? How did you, <laughs> how did you kind of start with the movement into, you know, into your craft and into learning the, the sport and, and, and go from there? Like what was some of your first steps? Um, well, obviously, initially, I did the one-off after-school cl um, class at the gym. Um, later on, I realized that, um, you know, I wanted to do more than this. So I went and joined the gym 
um, I started university at the time. So what I did was I would study really hard during the week. I would wake up extra early to help my mother on a Sunday early morning, do all the house chores. And then I would ask her really politely if I could just go to the gym. And she assumed I was just going for a run or just, you know, jumping on the treadmill or something. Um, But at that point, I was going to the kickboxing gym, which um, I'd run to. So my whole week will be kind of based around that one session. I would sacrifice everything else, going out with my friends, doing anything else um, in order to kind of pursue this sport. Um, I mean, once a week was all I could kind of give at the time because I knew my family, if they had found out, it would, you know, they would make me choose um, between the sport and them. I, I just felt very kind of afraid to tell them because I knew it was going against, um, you know, just family values, cultural barriers, religious barriers. I wasn't sure. I was in constant conflict between you know, the Western culture and the Eastern culture and my religion and my upbringing, um, I was battling against all of that for a very long time. I didn't have a set identity um, and it took me a long time to accept and be proud of being Muslim and being, you know, female, uh, being British um, and just being who I am, embracing all my challenges now, um, and being the best version of myself. You know, I it, it's interesting because most people, I think, in your situation, they feel that, or in a lot of different situations, feel that. What are they going to say? What is the family going to say? What are you know? What are other people going to say? And what are and then and then you also had to deal, absolutely right, right. And so absolutely, yeah. When did you tell? When did you tell your family? When did you finally tell them? Well, um, I came out of university, um, like you said, I, I studied architectural technology um, and then I started working for a year um, and at the end of my degree I had an arranged marriage because this was, you know, fairly like a typical kind of lifestyle for an Asian girl, so I accepted that um, and during that marriage I became really unhappy and depressed um I just felt suffocated and I didn't feel that it was for me it was a bit of a culture shock I think you know it was impossible to live up to the expectations that um you know that my ex-in-laws had of me um whites working in a very high demanding job um so I had a bit of a breakdown, you know, just mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and I didn't have anyone to turn to. You know, my family from the outside, it looked really pretty. No one could understand what I was going through. And if I felt unhappy and I wanted to speak about this, no one would listen. So I was trying to be strong and just keep myself, you know, ticking over and trying to be the best I could be for everyone, you know, being a good daughter, being a good daughter-in-law, being a good sister just trying to be everything to everyone um and eventually you know I started I remember one Sunday morning I woke up and I was helping my mother-in-law in the kitchen and I just fainted and I think that was the day I remember clearly that I was trying to accept my life as it was and I remember feeling really unhappy um 
and I fainted and that was it was really strange because I felt like the moment I accepted that my body rejected it um, and God took me straight out of that situation um, I was hospitalized for like two days and then my GP she was Indian and she grabbed my hand and said to me can you pick yourself back up and I had no idea what she meant um, so she asked me to return back to my family home to recuperate uh, which I did um, so the moment I came home, my panic attacks got really severe. They put me on antidepressants. Mm. I was completely bedbound for approximately six months. Um, you know, I was numb. I didn't really know what I was going through at the time. And I, all I would see is that my family were really upset. They were rallying around me. They were, they were you know, that's the first time I saw my father cry on a prayer mat. So it was heartbreaking to kind of, see that when I started understanding what was you know the fact that it didn't just affect me it affected them uh, um, that was that was quite a lot to take in um, but I guess it was a blessing in disguise for me because this is when I as soon as I was able to walk and I was slowly coming back to myself I returned back to the gym and this was my opportunity to kind of um, you know bridge the gap and be open and honest with my family um, and my father was so afraid that he was going to lose me I think he he accepted the fact that um, you know it's better to have me in a gym in a safe environment in a controlled environment than um, you know to have me depressed and not have me at all um, so yeah that was when I returned back to the gym when I was around 23 um, I went for a divorce straight after as soon as I you know recovered from um, this dark stage in my life it's um <laughs> I have chills because there's a lot there's a lot in there um, we can only go so far in a direction that isn't for us that doesn't feel good that we're unhappy, mm -hmm. that we're trying to make everybody else feel good. You can only go so far until there's mm -hmm. um, a crash, you know? And so, it, 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 and, yeah. I, and I love that you said that. Um, I think that the moment I try to accept it, my body rejected it. And I, I, I firmly, so right? Oh, I firmly believe in that. Because I, it's so, it's really strange because I remember I was trying to kind of, open up to my friends and they said to me stop being a western woman and you know you have to be a good daughter-in-law and this is your life and everyone around me was telling me to accept it and that I wasn't good enough because I was quite modern in my outlook I was spiritual however I was modern in my kind of you know a modern Muslim being ambitious and you know to my friends that wasn't good enough and the moment I did that, it's like my body did not want to know. My mind just kind of crashed. Yeah, well, and, it and also... I believe it's because it wasn't who I was. It's not who I am. It's true. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, and and it's and it's hard. Like, look, I mean, ultimately, um, because it's going to challenge the people you're around, the circles you're around, the mm -hmm. environments you've created or, or have um, accepted up until that point. 
And, you know, it's a scary feeling, I think, for a lot of people knowing, like, if I'm going to live my truth, that means all of this is mm -hmm. going to go away. Now, they after the fact, people always go, oh, well, like, you know, yeah, that's great. You know, they weren't uplifting you. Yeah, but most people don't realize, like, when it's actually happening and that's all you know and that's all you have, it's a, it can be a feeling of loneliness mm -hmm. of like, oh, wow, like, I'm about to be really alone because there's going to be nobody around that's going to accept this new me. But I think it's cool that your parents, yeah. your your dad your dad adjusted he's you know he he made that uh that he fatherly did. and and like a true father and a true you know and like a man like said like hey i'd rather yes, have her in my I life did. right i was you know it still surprises me till this day because given how he was brought up that was a very unusual move for a you know bangladeshi asian father so i'm so grateful to him for accepting my choices in life um even now i know the world has come a long way especially with women in sport um but for him it was extra hard to accept what i was doing and he did he made that uh transition with me um and i'm so grateful for having parents who are open-minded um you know because that's not their route that's not their upbringing and this is they've you know grown up believing that this is not acceptable so they made a huge choice to accept me doing um a sport that is you know very brutal and you also and to go and to go for a divorce on top of that right um you know they could have disowned me but they didn't they were so supportive i have to say it re like the family really pulled together for me um you know I knew that this isn't what they wanted for me um in particular the divorce um but thankfully my ex-husband filed for the divorce so I didn't have to go through lengths to explain why I wanted this because my parents didn't see that in my future nor did I um however it was you know something that I it's strange because I feel like this was the making of me. It was a pivotal part of my life where I went through such a dark and lonely period where it broke me down to my core. And then I built myself back up and sport gave me that lifeline. You know, that was the only place I felt familiar with um, and felt that I could cope with whatever comes in my direction. Um, so that pretty much saved my life. Isn't it funny that the thing you feared the most, your truth, actually is what saved you? <laughs> I was, I was, Absolutely. right? I was, Absolutely. I was find that yeah. very interesting. We, we fear telling the truth, but it's true. It really does set you free. Like it, it, it opens everything up. Now, not everybody likes it, of course, but, but it's do, definitely I, a much better route. <laughs> but I do believe that I, handled it correctly um in terms of my family i think if the timing was any earlier it right. could have been the end of my sport in korea i think how i played it with my family in terms of you know showing that my values remain strong uh, my upbringing is very you know my roots are my roots i still have my roots i still believe in the values that i've been brought up with all of that I implemented and I executed all of that throughout my journey, even 
when I was doing the sport in secret. So they realized that sport hasn't changed me. In fact, it made me a better person. It allowed me to learn so many life skills in a very short amount of time. You know, I took responsibility for my action. I believed in, you know, having, you know, striving to better my life and constantly jumping. I just realized, you know, like the obstacles are not set in stone. They're there to overcome. Um, and I, I think my family appreciated that about me, the fact that I could just come into my own. Um, and they respected me for that. So my father, I think, took a step back. They never approved of it. Like, I remember, I would go to the gym. They never said yes. They never said no. All I would do was, you know, allow them to know where I am. And they wouldn't comment. So I had the silent consent. You know, I... I what I I hadn't actually thought of before, but you made a very valid point, which was, yes, you went in a different direction than architectural technology or a traditional route, but you still carried all of your morals, your values, your integrity, your your commitment, your consistency, all the things that your family still raised you, they that they felt that they hopefully raised you well with. You took that. Yes. <laughs> into something else and it would still be very proud for parents to see oh wow like it's not the job i chose but look at how we raised her Definitely. and how she's taking that into yeah. something else because it makes you a good athlete it makes you a noble athlete it makes you um you know a humble athlete right i mean when you think about it if we're, if we're translating over into the the athletic side um good mm. sportsmanship you know, good training, consistency, um, hard work. Like yeah. they, they get to still see what, Definitely. right? Yeah. And absolutely. So like I think they, they understood how much dedication I had and it wasn't really their place then kind of, you know, stop my dreams because they saw that I would absolutely sacrifice going out with my friends, doing anything just to be, you know, I would do whatever my mama asked me to do so I can go to the gym. And my father would see the fact that I would get up in the morning, go for my runs, go for for a run in the evenings. I would just, it didn't matter how cold it was. It didn't matter if it was snowing outside. I was so disciplined. And I think they realized that this is something that's actually making me a stronger person rather than trying to you know deflate me in a way so um yeah and I, I guess my parents I'm just grateful that I've seen other Asian parents and how they are for them they don't have that open-mindedness and my father did um so it was such a blessing for me and I'm so grateful for that hmm. and and did so did that that translate a lot. I want to. I want to talk a little bit about the spirituality side of you in in the training, um, because mm -hmm. you you mentioned yeah the discipline. You know, discipline and consistency is probably where a majority of the population get a little tripped up at times. <laughs> you know, it's a. It takes it yeah. takes some serious um, changing inside and and mindset and whatnot. Um, and it also changed, I, I believe it also takes a level of, of spirituality of, you know, doing what's right by your core and, and, um, you know, yeah. so I would love for you to, to expand on kind of 
how did how did you use spirituality in, in your training and, and in this you know journey now that you're you're this you're known as a professional athlete your family knows it you're working on it now this new stage how do you use yeah. spirituality I'll be honest I mean I was always spiritual but I didn't realize how spiritual I was right you know my strength always came from putting my trust in God um, knowing that there's a higher power, whether you call it creator, universe, or God, you know, I always knew that I'm never alone in the ring, and I needed to put my trust in my creator. Um, you know, because this is this is a sport that you can die in the ring, mm. and it wasn't, you know, something that I saw f- as something that may not happen to me. Because even in training, you come to very close blows and you go through concussions and so many kind of it's a painful and a punishment in the ring so you have to be so spiritual you have to rely on something greater than yourself um and for me my motivation always came from being able to inspire people the more authentic I was and living my truth and how I show up in the world will inspire others to be able to pursue a passion or, you know, whatever that may be, whether it's business, politics, you know, music or, you know, sport. It doesn't really matter what you do as long as you're passionate about because life gets easier as soon as you're on that journey. Um, and again, it was the same because that sense of accomplishment that you that I felt when I was in the ring, whether I won or lost, is something that needed it taught me so much about myself um it allowed me to rebuild myself regroup and rise from those challenges and obstacles that I faced whether it's in the ring or outside the ring um and believe me there's just as many obstacles outside the ring than there are inside the ring um especially being a female in a male-dominated sport to be able to get the respect of your peers and your coaches and your training partners. It's a lonely, lonely road. Um, And it's that mental attitude and spirituality that kind of, that's the driving force of what a champion is made of, in my opinion. Um, Because I believe we're a spiritual being. Mm -hmm. You know, before we came to the world, we were in spirit form. And then when we leave again, you know, uh, there's going to be another dimension. That's why I believe. Um, but no one can question your spirit when you're in that ring and you're taking punishment or you're, you know, being at your best form. Everyone trains hard. Everyone's conditioned. Everyone has mental strength, but it's... It's, you know, your spirit, they don't know how strong that is. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a, there's a famous quote that I very much love where Muhammad Ali says, you know, your skill, um, your will has to overpower the skill. And that's what it comes down to, I believe, because you'll see so many talented, you know, athletes out there. But the question is, can they rise from pretty much, you know, being dead? mentally and being broken down in that ring because that's what it takes it's so so well put by the way i have a um a video up uh with the fight that you had uh with susana 
And uh, man, you kick some serious oh. ass. <laughs> you, you really, I mean, sorry, I don't. You know, you know, I was struck down with a knee that day, and I had to do my medical ringside because I was so unwell. I woke up in cold sweats that day, and my coach was, "I can't put you in the ring like this, Roxy." And um, then he thought, "Well, what we can do is get to the stadium." And let the medics pull you out because I sold tickets. I was the headliner of the show. Mm-hmm. Got there. Luckily, I rested and they passed me. And I thought, in my head, I just thought, okay, I've got two minutes. In two minutes, I need to knock her out and end this fight because I don't have, have it in me to go the distance. But of course, this fight went the distance. And there's a moment in that fight, I think it's on the fourth round, where I had nothing left in the tank, absolutely nothing. I'm just standing in front of her, and she's walking right in front of me, and I didn't even have any energy to move my legs. Um, Biting to sheer willpower. And it just, it, see, and it just, it just goes to show you, like, there's always, like, I like how you said, um, you know, God's in the ring with me. You know, absolutely. I, like, I, I completely. This is something I. Yeah, I remember reading Muhammad Ali's book and I, oh my God, it just resonated so strongly with me when he said when he's in the ring, he he imagines God fighting through him. Um, and it's funny because I used to do the same without knowing that he felt the same way. So it was such a nice feeling to realize that I wasn't the only one that would visualize and have those uh, concepts in my mind. Um but yeah, I mean, I just, you know, the more I'm learning about spirituality, I'm realizing that we're all connected and it's all in the power of your mind and your belief. You can absolutely do the impossible because the impossible is always done until until it's done. Everyone believes it's impossible. Of course. So, you know, um, it, so, yeah. No, I, I, I completely, I'm completely aligned with you on that. I, I think that... Um, people don't realize the 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 sheer magnitude of the power that we really really have um and um there and when we especially when we're in our intuitive highly intuitive state of what resonates with our soul the body's just a vessel it's carrying out the soul's mission and if you can get into the soul's mission you know the god can work right through us you know and and for anybody that you know what's that I completely, I completely agree with that. I think we all have a purpose in life, and it's finding that and you know pursuing that because the 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 more we are aligned with others, the more successful, the more happy. It doesn't matter if we fail along the way because I think that's part of the process. Um, but the happier and more successful and authentic we're going to be in reaching our goal. It, that's so true and so and and you know and you you i like that you also you brought up earlier about um we have just as many challenges in the ring as we do outside the ring you know and so i think carrying that um that higher conscious that that soulful uh connection into everything that we do is really how we rise above so much more than we than we're ever even really incap- we realize that we're capable of um how how has it been what what challenges did you 
obviously you didn't think about the challenges of being a female athlete. You were just sticking to your soul of like, no, I, I want to go fight. Like this just makes sense. But I, what, what happened once I you started doing it? Did, yeah, I guess I just discovered the fact that this is what my sole purpose is, you know, and I was always driven by the fact that I wanted to become a world champion and what that meant for me, the, the, the struggles and obstacles that I had to overcome, um, finding the ring was actually, is actually the easy part. Um, you know, there are things I had to deal with and learn to compose myself and deal with fear because I had real bad anxiety um, getting in the ring. I knew I was good in the ring, but I still faced anxiety sitting in the changing room and dealing with all kinds of nerves and anticipation. Um, yeah, and um, I guess it's, it's, there's so many struggles through injuries, through coaching, through belonging, be, bullying, um, people trying to bring you down. And there's so many things. There's, it's a very competitive sport on top of all of that. Um, you know, it's the challenges I guess I faced was, you know, there was times where, you know, people were the females in the gym would refuse to train with me. They felt a little bit threatened by the fact that I returned and I was already in the advanced class rather than going through the process. But little did they know that I already belonged to the gym before I came back after my divorce. Um, I don't know. There's people. People are threatened by what they don't know because they couldn't put me in a box. I wasn't white. I wasn't. You know. Um, I didn't fit into the European group. I didn't fit into this group. I was just me, and I just loved the sport. And at so many points, my coach asked me to leave the gym, and he said, "You know, Rox, why don't you just go somewhere else? Why don't you just, you know." Um, oh, you're a British champion now. You got what you want here. Why don't you just retire? <laughs> and I never felt, well, yeah. I mean, that was a, a huge trying to even convince my coach to give me a shot uh, was a challenge because for him it was a business, so he had to keep the majority happy. And if I'm excelling in the sport, there was it was upsetting other people in the gym. Um, so he asked me to leave the gym. And I would train on my own a lot of the times. Um, and especially in a sport where you need sparring partners, it's incredibly difficult to just hit the bag and be fit and be <laughs> alert and, you know, sharp in your reaction. You need training partners and a diverse range of training partners. So I went through all of the bullying in the gym, um, being told at every step, give up, give up, give up. Um, but I knew that wasn't my purpose I'm I was able to, to differentiate between um my love for the sport and seeing everything else as an external um stimulant rather than being part of the sport because my coach telling me to leave the girls bullying me I I didn't connect the two I managed to say well that's just people but I still love the sport and I kept going and a lot times if I'm honest I remember for approximately five years this was going on where I was being bullied or, you know no one everyone would refuse to train with me they would chuck my bag on the floor as soon as I walked in so what I would do is 
I'd go to the gym and then I would go for a run to clear my head and prepare myself mentally and then go into training. And this was something that I couldn't even share with anyone because I knew everyone wanted me to give up. You know, no one understood why I would do this. So it was such a struggle. Um, And the moment I overcame all of that, I just believed that I didn't want to be pushed out once again. You know, I did that with my marriage. I felt like I had to, you know, that broke me. I didn't want to be pushed out of a place that I felt that I grew up in. And, you know, it was my gym. I didn't want to be bullied out again. So I kept going. And then I became national champion and European champion. And then the world title came along. Um, and at that point, you know, just, uh, sorry, just after my British title, I was diagnosed with ME. And I guess it was a combination of many things, you know, going through the divorce, going through the anxiety, going through five years of bullying at the gym. All of that had an impact on my uh, um, physical health, mental health. And I think that's why I suffered from the ME um, that I had. And I was in denial for the first couple of years because I felt that I'm a fighter. I can get through anything and I need to train hard. And eventually, eventually I was diagnosed by a specialist um, and I started listening to their advice and it started paying dividends. So even though my doctors would tell me to give up and stop training, they said, Anything that is strenuous, you're not allowed to do. I believe there was a way around it. So the way I would train was short and sharp session. I wouldn't go, I couldn't train even 70%. I would train 30% of using my energy. The rest was strategizing, training and understanding techniques and strategy that I would be able to expose people's weaknesses. Mm. So I would have the training incredibly smart rather than hard it wasn't a fitness session for me at all it was understanding and not even being able to implement what I understood because I'd hold back until the fight night Um, and that took a lot of patience and not being able to test myself um, that was pretty hard too Um, so yeah I guess (laughs) these were just some of the obstacles that I faced it's um just to be inside the ring um yeah well it's it's interesting how we look at challenges as challenges and sometimes we forget that it's our training and it's weird because you 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 said it you caught yourself you're like i i have to pull back to 30 percent and now i have to study other people's Mm -hmm. weaknesses i have to study the game differently and i i i was I was having this conversation recently about the fact that we also get to a stage where it's one thing when we're, when we're younger, or we're brand new in a game and we can run 150 miles an hour without really needing necessarily a direction. We're just going to rely on either talent or like just going at sheer speed. And then I yeah. got to a, I got to a place in my life where I realized like that no longer works and you have to switch up your mm. you have to switch up your approach to the game. I can't run with 25 year olds. I can't run with that kind yeah. of like nor do I want to. 
but I can't run with that level of intensity um, in terms of just sheer running. I have to change my entire approach based off of everything I'm learning, have learned or am learning. And, and which is what makes you smarter in the game. But, mm. you know, so it's interesting that, you know, these, when you're faced with them, they hurt on the surface level because they hurt emotions and they hurt like, really, well, why is everybody telling me to quit? Like, it's not me. Yeah. It's not me. I know it's not me. But then at the same time, it's also like, no, if, if you were to peel back the, um, <laughs> the bad way it looks and actually call it what it really is like oh hey Roxana we need you to train differently um but nobody ever gives it to you that way right <laughs> so no, you're forced I into mean, thinking into it you know yeah this was something that I had to figure out on my own yes. because yes I wasn't willing to give this up you know Every, you know my GPs on numerous occasions have said to me you know you need to um you, the, at the most you can go walk that was their advice on my fitness regime um but i i didn't really take their advice on board i just believed that i could find a way and i could rely on my intelligence and my experience because that's the other thing because when people are young they have abundance of energy and enthusiasm but what they lack is experience so you can actually i use that to my advantage yes. then i wouldn't go in rushing i would just be patient and I would just kind of find you know like just be really precise with my movement and accuracy when I'm punching um learned how to conserve energy and that was a major part of my training um in fact I would look at ways where I could have respites without my opponent knowing um that I needed a, a breather to be fair um so yeah it was just being creative and I think that's what life is about you know most people are our followers they think oh we have to do 50 press-ups 100 sit-ups and 100 this that's not what it's about it's about conditioning your mind just as much as your body will go wherever you take it uh, you know you'll always have that second wind in the ring it's what your mind controls your body and it's what you tell yourself in the ring um, and that takes practice too because there's been times in the ring where I'm thinking I'm analyzing the fight too much. And I thought, shit, I've lost time. Sorry, I saw. <laughs> but I've lost time analyzing. And you don't have room to analyze. You just have to adapt and adjust and go with the flow. You need to be in your flow. Once you find your flow, you're unbeatable. Uh, so true. <laughs> and, then, and, you, and, then, and you have to. And I, I also believe that uh, um, you have to work on in that flow. That has to become such a, yeah. because you, you, it's true, you you work so hard to find your flow. And mm. what got you there was a lot of, it was a series of really great things. And when you're in that flow, um, uh, the outside world, other factors can try to come in. And whether they're distractors or shiny objects or any, or shiny opportunities, but if they're not in alignment with the flow, they can easily throw you off. So that extra heart, that the work of staying in flow of like, no. I'm just going to keep doing this and expand it's, from this. Yeah. You know. It's definitely the focus and concentration. The more you focus on what you're, it's just keeping your eyes on the prize. You know, every step is leading you to that and not getting distracted by anything else surrounding you. You shouldn't like when I'm in the ring, I don't even know who's what else is going on 
my concentration is only in my opponent's eyes and I see fear in their eyes. I see power in their eyes. I see strength. I see, you know, um, so many other feelings that I can, I can sense. And it's tapping into that um, and being able to distract and, you know, intimidate and take her will away. <laughs> you know, that is the game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that and see, that just shows your um, experience now in, in the sport and in the game, you know, and in the ring like you, you because now like your whole approach is differently. And so they don't even know what's yeah. happening. <laughs> At that point, they don't even yeah, know like what they're getting into. More than the physical is important, you know, to get your body onto a, you know, muscle memory state where everything is flowing on a neurological pathway so you create all these nervous systems and um you know that, that you can move it in in a sleek manner but the real test is is your attitude and your mental strength yes. is probably 80 percent in the ring it's being hit and you can you'll see you'll see opponents so flashy in the first couple of rounds but eventually you can wear them down and you're like wow so this, this is when my experience and my mental strength and my will and my spiritual being comes in and you need to allow that to flow into existence because you might not see it in the first two rounds, right. but you will eventually start seeing who you really are because I think that's what happens with me when I'm in the ring. The first round, I'm kind of testing it out and sometimes those other opponents are just scoring all the points, but I get into my element and takes me a little bit longer sometimes even though I know I can go from the you know straight from the bell but I like to tap into something more than just the physical element um, and it's allowing the mind to control what's going on rather than because you have to be intuitive is exactly what you said when you're at a high elite level it's all about being intuitive and instinctive and then having the set of skills that you require to um, come into play when you require them and you just instruct them with your brain and it comes and it's in flow well, and your inner being knows exactly what to do um, and knowing that is something else <laughs> it is it 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 really is. Well, and you, I like you said, um, when the bell rings, I don't come running out right at the, as soon as the bell, you know, first rings when you first start. Um, that's, that's experience. It, it took me years to get to a point where, um, yeah, you know, you have to take a couple of rounds in the beginning. Um, it looks like you're starting off slow, but you're not, you're analyzing, you're, you're absorbing like what the game is. Yeah. You're, you're, you're figuring out the opponent you're yeah. figuring out the people you're mm -hmm. just, you're actually doing patient. And it's funny because, they just they're firing on all cylinders so they actually have no you know and and they can attack they attack i mean i've i found this i found this in business too they do it in business too and like they they attack and you're just like you're like yeah. you realize like i'm it's not that i'm not responding because you know a i already don't think it's worth it but 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 more so because i'm letting you defeat yourself before i even mm. start to like really pick up the steam and I can drop you with yes. one punch, you yeah, know? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, it, yeah. Go ahead. It's more analytical. It's, um, what's the word? Um, it's setting down the foundation so you can yes. do the, you can go the distance. Yes. And the more you're kind of 
working on your basics and setting the setting the foundations, the longer you're gonna go, the you know the harder you can fight because the endurance is there. Um, I mean, I have been in fights where I've gone straight out, but that's when I, that was in my early days because that's how when you're in panic, that's what you do, and that can happen too. Yeah. Um, but when you're experienced and you know your strengths and you know you're like mm, this ain't gonna phase me come, right. come full up you know like you said full cylinders I can take this I can cope with this and then you start slowly breaking them down and wearing them down um, to the point they have no answer everything's countered everything's strate- strategic so true <laughs> that's just life right there too, <laughs> by the way that's I'm, I'm you know it's funny because I'm, I'm i'm sitting here listening to you and i'm sitting here listening and thinking about my my how that that applies it's in my personal and business life you know it's it's been a very interesting it, it's very true that's that's what experience does you know and because you even if you wanted to you couldn't go to their level of play it's not a game that that is won it's not a it's not a fight that's won you cannot go down to that there because you already know the outcome of their no. of their as well so you're like i like even with you coming at me i cannot go to your like to that level because no. it it, it well, doesn't make any sense it depends it depends because when you're in the ring this is so interesting because if they um if they draw you into their fight they're fighting their rhythm, their yes. flow. Yes. And you are the one who's going to come out in the negative end. Yep. But if you can tap into your flow and your rhythm, then they're the one who's going to be suffering. And it doesn't matter what the pace is, uh, pace of the, the fight or, you know, whatever sport you do. But as long as it's in your timing, then it's different. Um, but a lot of the time, this is where the distractions will happen, you know, where they will try and, draw you into the fight that they want to have and you have to reject that and find your flow again there are going to be moments where you're off flow but you need to quickly bounce back into that yeah so true it's <laughs> so true i'm like i'm actually relating it to like three incidents right now but no it's, it's true and 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 I, that's where interestingly enough um the difference from when we first start out to later on is the ability to get back into flow happens much faster versus if you're just firing on on all cylinders and that's that's a, an old strategy you're not i mean yeah you're in a, you're in a kind of flow but you can get knocked out mm-hmm. and struggle to get back yeah. in to find your flow again but when you're older that experience is like all right, I know there's some basic training I need to do and look, foundation already set up that it will put me right back in there, you know? And so yeah. it's like, we have our own tools and modalities that allow us to do that, you know? What do you, uh, what do you have, what do you have, what do you have coming up? So I'm fighting um, on a show in England, November the 29th. So my, yeah, so my third boxing fight. <laughs> so I'm pretty much learning on the job at the moment. So I've had no amateur experience. I do have transferable skills from the Muay Thai because I feel I feel that I do have the resilience. I have the mental strength. I have the discipline, the focus. I have all of those, you know, attributes that makes a fighter. The rest is me being able to learn the skill now mm. and being able to apply it. Um, and every every time is it's a different test. It's a different opponent. It's a different test in the ring. 
Um, and yeah, I, I love the challenge. I love the fact that, you know, it is scary, um, but it's overcoming those fears uh, um, each and every time. And you're doing it and you're doing it well, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> Um, and then, and and where where can everybody uh, find you online? By the way, um, you can follow me on Instagram, which is Roxana Begum. That's spelled with R U Q S A N A Begum B E G U M, um, and I think it's a underscore M T. So yeah, follow my journey. I really appreciate any support, any praise, any comments and thoughts, um, because I feel that we are all you know, connected and will attract people that are meant to be in our life and be part of that journey. Um, you know, and if I can help anyone in any way and inspire them, hopefully, and I'm sure vice versa, people will inspire me. You know, the smallest things can kind of make the biggest difference. Um, you know, I, I see so much in my life and sometimes when you see even young people going through struggles with health and that really inspires me because I think wow they have no choice but to fight mm -hmm. I'm choosing to fight you know and so but this young child has no choice but to fight you know life will present you with these kind of challenges and you still have to be optimistic and find the good in it um and that's the that's a daily struggle that's so well put. And it's true. And it's true. And, you know, and by the way, um, you're welcome back on the show anytime. Um, I always, I always welcome. Yeah. I, well, you know, I always tell our guests that um, it's a journey driven podcast, <laughs> right? So like your journey is far from done. <laughs> so and it's a real, and you know, the, the, it's a relationship you, you know, whether it's six months, a year from now, whenever, you know, you come back on, we could talk about mm -hmm. other, other topics, things that you're seeing and, you know, what you're learning as you went from Muay Thai to boxing and, you know, taking on a, a new art, but with a, you know, uh, uh, an expanded experience, uh, you know, place in your life and all that. And, uh, but you're welcome back on any, any time. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, and I love the message that you're, um, that, that you bring to this world. And I love the fact that like you instinctually, um, instinctively you, you work from your core, from what you know to be your truth regardless of what anybody else try to tell you um that level of conviction is so important as mm -hmm. a leader in this world to say like no i'm i'm doing it because i know it's the right yeah. thing regardless of what anybody else is saying and i want to i want anybody else watching that to feel that feel to feel that to know that that's the way to be versus what you know everybody else who's maybe not dealing with their own own personal fears internally <laughs> that are projecting on other people such as you me anybody right so it's i think you're you're oh go ahead definitely i mean i believe that we all know what we're meant to do it's just finding out you know centering yourself and really kind of asking yourself the questions and i think for a long time i didn't have self-belief i knew i was good at the sport and I wanted reassurance from my coach. I wanted reassurance from my training partners, you know, especially when I was in my early 20s. I was always seeking that approval. And I realized I wasn't gaining it from anywhere. And then I became my own best friend. Um, and the more I learn now, I've learned that you have to value yourself. You have to give yourself a pat on the back. And you 
have to give yourself a break as well because you have to look after yourself. Um, people will, you know, there are really amazing people out there, but you will attract what you put out. And when you start believing in yourself, you'll see a shift in the world as well. Like I remember when I started, you know, I went to America to do my camp in Las Vegas. I started seeing a different side of my coach. All of a sudden, he was so enthusiastic to train me. And I realized what it was is because I knew I belonged there. Mm. You know, I had no hesitation training with some of the best boxers in the world sitting there. And I was like, no, I belong here and you're going to train me. And he and he absolutely did. And he looked at me because rocks. I love these. You're so resilient. Um, and that, at that point, I just came back from a loss um, and I had no doubt. I absolutely I just know this is about our learning this is about our life this this loss was not a loss for me I felt as though it was there to teach me something and I knew um that you know there there was going to be moments where you're going to go through losses and then eventually you're going to the penny will drop and you will get it um and you have to have the patience to get to that point is most people tend to give up on that last hurdle just about when they're right at the top of the mountain and they give up but you need to you need to the sweet spot you need to find the sweet spot so true that that loss too <laughs> you know a, a, the loss is usually the catalyst right before the next level anyway that's why yeah. I, I always look at the loss like okay okay i'm going to tweak something and that's going to then put me into that next category got it you know, um, and uh, and it and it did, and it has for you, um, Roxana. Thank you so much for your time. You, you've been an absolute amazing guest, and thank you for sharing. You know the vulnerable side of your story too. I really, really appreciate it. I know everybody that listens does, and they'll and <laughs> they'll be sure to. I'll make sure that they uh, when when uh, when you go to um, let people know that the episode's out. I'll make sure that they go find you on Insta when you when you post it up. <laughs> they, they will. I'll, I'll I'll be sure to let them know. Thank you so much. Absolutely. That would be awesome. Hang, hang back. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Very, very well worth it. You're an incredible human being doing really great things. And I'm, I'm honored to have you on the show. Um, hang back for one second and then uh, we'll connect. I'm going to just uh, end, end with the credits. But thank you again for being yeah. on the show. Truly appreciate thank it. You. For, thank you. And for everybody listening, Ruxana Begum, please, please go check her out on Instagram at Ruxana, R-U-Q-S-A-N-A, B as in boy, E-G-U-M underscore M-T, like from Muay Thai. Um, go check her out on Insta. <laughs> uh, go go check her out on Insta. And, um, you know, and then be sure, you know, when you check out this episode, please, please feel free to reach out to her. Um, go check out her website. Uh, she's all over, all over the internet. She's done incredible work. Um, and for everybody listening, I, I hope you guys get this idea of um, the spiritual self allows you to tap into the parts of you that already know what you need to know and what's right for you when everybody else is telling you what's 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 right for you. You know what's right for you. So you you have to have that, uh, I say, you have to have that, that connection with yourself internally, which allows you to navigate because you can't rely on the rest of the world to give you that same direction the way your soul can. So, uh, and I think Roxana was a, a perfect example of that. Thank you guys for tuning in. Always, always absolutely appreciate all of the love that you guys have been giving. The, the growth has been incredible. 
Um, I can't believe how fast we're actually growing, but I'll take it. I really appreciate all of you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for Roxana and for myself and for Hustled Separately, we're out. <laughs>